The Old Testament passage this morning is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and this can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 57. Jethro, el suegro de Moisés, era el sacerdote de Marián. Una vez, Moisés estaba cuidando las ovejas de Jethro. Las llevó hasta la parte occidental del desierto. Llegó hasta Oreb, el monte de Dios. Ahí se le apareció el ángel del Señor, una gran llama de fuego, la cual estaba ardiendo en medio de un arbusto. Pero este no se consumía. Moisés se dio. ¡Qué cosa tan rara! Me detendré a ver por qué el arbusto no se consume. Cuando el Señor vio que Moisés se estaba acercando para observar mejor, lo llamó desde el arbusto. ¡Moisés! ¡Moisés! ¡Aquí estoy! Respondió él. Dios le dio, No te acerques más y quítate el cálcalo porque el suelo que estás pisando es sagrado. Yo soy el Dios, Dios de tu padre, el Dios de Abraham, el Dios de Isaac y el Dios de Jacob. Moisés se cubrió la cara porque tenía miedo de mirar a Dios. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This is the word of the Lord. Gracias a Dios. The New Testament reading is Acts 2, 1 to 21. This is page 1091 in your pew Bibles. But I'll be reading mostly from the message, and Heather will be reading from the Hungarian Bible. Amikor pedig eljött a pünkös napja, és mindjárt együtt voltak ugyanazon a helyen. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. 
Sok kedves zsidó férfi tárkodott akkor Jeruzsálemben, azok közül, akik a föld minden nemzete között éltek, amikor a zsúgás támad, összefutott és a sokaság, és nagy zavar keletkezett, mert mindenki a maga nyelven hallotta őket beszélni. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then, when they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were blown away. Megdömbentek, és csodálkozva mondták, Imme, akik beszélnek, nem valamennyien Galáliából válóké? Akkor hogyan hallhatja őket mindjegyikünk a maga anyanyelven? Halljuk, amint a mi nyelvünkön beszélnek az. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Álmékodtak mindjárt, és nagy zavarban kérdezkedték egymástól. Mi akar ez lenni? Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth confused. What's going on here? Mások azonban gunyolodban mondták. Édes boltor rézegettek meg. Others joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. That's when Peter stood up and backed by the other eleven, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Az utolsó napokban így szól az Isten. Kitöltök lelkemből minden halandóra, és profétálnak fiaitok és lányaitok, és ifjaitok látomásokat látnak, véneitek pedig álmokat álmodnak. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions, your old men dream dreams. Még szolgáimra és szolgálóláim nyarimra, és kitöltök azokban a napokban lelkemből, és ők is profétálnak. When the time comes, I will pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red, before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous. Aki azonban segítségül hívja az Úr nevét, üdvözöl. And whoever calls out for help to me, God, will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Hála Istennek! Good morning, Sherman. I love that. It reminds me how small we are, <laughs> that our language is just one among so, so many. Um, so uh, actually, I was thinking about um, my 
Grandfather used to preach sermons like that in Kenya where he would preach in English and someone would translate it to Swahili and then someone down the way would yell out what they said in Swahili again and it would just travel down the way that like person to person to person. I can't imagine. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> let's uh, start with something that happened weird, something weird that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had a dream that an angel came to me. Uh, it's like very biblical, right? Um, I was kind of half awake and half asleep, and I didn't hear the first thing that this angel said. Uh, all I thought was, who is this guy's voice in my head? Uh, <laughs> and, then, um, and then I saw this angel who looked exactly like an angel on TV and not at all like a seraphim from the Bible. Um, and he said, you are ready for a new work. I have no idea what that means. I was like, maybe something to do with therapy? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. What do you think? Was that a real angel or was it just a weird creation of my sleepy head? I have no idea. Uh, but I'm going to keep my eyes open for a new work, whatever that might be. Um, a few days ago, uh, similarly, I was feeling a little sheepish because I hadn't prayed enough, I thought, about this sermon, whatever enough is. Um, and if ever there is a sermon you should pray about, it's Pentecost. Uh, so I sat down to pray. I'm hearing like an echo. Are you guys hearing an echo? No? Okay, I'll just ignore it then. Um, so I sat down to pray. I was writing in my journal because that's often how I pray. Um, and the whole thing just felt empty, like nothing, um, which was annoying, right? I'm praying about Pentecost. I want fire and wind or like at least like a nudge in a good direction. Um, but there was nothing. And so I started to tell God about that. I said, like, sometimes I feel afraid to pray because I want so badly to hear you speak. And so often what I get is silence or confusion. Um, and I complained about that for a while, saying, like, a relationship with you is not like a relationship with anyone else. Like, I can't speak and expect you to speak back right away. And then I gave up on my prayers and out of habit, or maybe because I was trying to avoid my work a little longer. I grabbed a book that was sitting in front of me, just in this like stack of books that I have everywhere. Um, the book is called The Daily Reader for Contemplative, Li Contemplative Living um, by Thomas Keating. And I meant to turn to that day's reading, but the book like flopped open to a reading called A Sense of God's Absence, uh, which seemed fitting, so I read it. And it said this, Thus, at some point in our journey, a pervasive sense of God's absence begins to manifest itself during prayer and spreads to other areas of life. This is actually the beginning of a deeper union with Christ. Most of us, however, do not experience it that way. When the biblical desert opens up within us, we worry that there is something wrong with our relationship with God. And then the reading closed with the section of Isaiah 44, verse 21. Remember these things. I have formed you. I will not forget you. It was so comforting. And it felt like one of those moments that speaks, you know, something just speaks right to the moment. So again, what do you think? Was it the spirit? Was it a coincidence? For my part, I think probably the spirit. 
That's actually like a common way that God speaks to me for whatever reason. I think it has to do with something with my love for words, but it's often something I read right after I pray. Um, but also, it just seems so random, right? Like, I shake my head when I hear people talk about like letting a book flop open and taking whatever you read as a word from God. Um, even if that book is the Bible, maybe especially if that book is the Bible. But then, like, that's St. Augustine's conversion story. He heard a child's voice singing, take up and read, which he took as a voice from, as a word from God. And he flopped open the Bible and read the first thing he saw, a verse from Romans. He said that as the sentence ended, his heart was filled with light and doubt and sadness vanished away. I certainly can't look down my nose at Augustine. And also, I don't want you all to make a practice of flopping open your Bibles and assuming that God will always speak to you that way. Like, my guess is that a lot of you share this discomfort, right? This, like, uncertainty with how God speaks, and particularly the ways that we get it wrong, and how misuse of this word, God told me, can lead to abuse and to dangerous theology, I mean, I think that carelessness with God told me is actually what is meant by do not take the Lord's name in vain. Because it's powerful. It can be used to manipulate and harm people. And also it can just make us silly. <laughs> I, met, I knew a pastor who uh, said that no less than four women, you know, he's good looking, no less than four women had told him that the Spirit had told them that they should get married. Uh, he was like, I think the Spirit would have told me to. Uh, <laughs> we don't usually have those. This was a, I guess that was maybe a Baptist church. No, it was a Pentecostal church. I grew up Pentecostal, so I have a lot of like things like that in my background. Um, grew up, grandparents. I don't want to get into it right now. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Did my mic cut out for a second? Anyway, I don't know. Reformed Christians in general like to keep things a little more orderly right? We like logical, predictable, precise, repeatable. We like things in books more than we like the rushing wind and the tongues of fire at Pentecost. And like, that's not a new discomfort. People, I mean, we sit right in our text, right? People hear the cacophony of voices, and some of them say they're drunk. But Peter holds up what's happening to the words of scripture, and he remembers Joel, and so he's able to name it. No, 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 they're not drunk. This is from God. Many of us have a hard time with the wildness of the Spirit. We don't know how to discern what is the Spirit and what is just us and what is coincidence or even if there is such a thing. In John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Apparently this unpredictability is not just normal for the Spirit, but it also becomes normal for us. I found myself as I got ready for this sermon searching our library in, the, in our study for books that would explain this discomfort with the Spirit to me. Um, and that can be helpful, but really I think the only way to the know the Spirit is to pray. The only way to know the Spirit is to pray and to keep your eyes open for what God might do. 
we have to welcome the wild wind and learn to move with it. Just like you can't learn to dance by reading about it. It's strange to me that so much of Pentecost art is so tame, right? Like praying hands and calm faces with fire burning above their heads. Um, the other day, Tony and I heard this squeaking sound in our house, and we couldn't figure out where it was coming from. We probably spent 10 minutes walking around going like, what is that sound? Like, is it? Because we, <laughs> anyway, we didn't find it. Uh, but it was like so much of a response to this tiny squeak uh, or like whistle. It was weird. Anyway, it was so much. It was the furnace. Oh, good to know. He said he thinks, <laughs> if you didn't hear that, he said he thinks it's the furnace motor dying. <laughs> so we'll have to talk about that later. Anyway, <laughs> we had so much of a strong response to this tiny sound, and the disciples heard the sound of a violent wind that came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I wouldn't have been like, hmm, what's that sound? I would have been ducking for cover. And when the fire came, like, I always wonder if someone tried to put it out. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, 120 people start speaking at once. They had received power from on high. Like, what would we do if that happened here? Do you think we could handle it? People often say, pray with expectation. And I think that that's true and good, um, but I like the word openness better. Because sometimes I find it scary to pray because I'm afraid my expectations will be disappointed. Because I want Pentecost, and it doesn't always happen. God doesn't usually show up in the way that I have planned. And actually, you know what? No one expected Pentecost. No one. And no one expected Jesus. Jesus. Not his birth, not his life, not his death, and certainly not his rising again. It was all a surprise. And so was the coming of the Spirit. Instead of expectations, it seems better to me to pray with openness to whatever God might do. To pray with a faith, knowing that God, to pray with faith, knowing that God will do something. And it will be, as Ephesians 3.20 says, more than we can ask or imagine. Though it may not be something that we see in our lifetime. And often it's not just more than we can ask or imagine, it's something entirely other. And that, faith, that kind of faith is especially difficult when we are desperate or grieving. When we need God to answer now. The disciples knew the Spirit was coming. I wonder if maybe they thought it would descend like a dove. Right? That would make sense. That's what happened at Jesus' baptism. Let's just do that again. And like, ooh, an affirming voice from heaven. That sounds so nice. But this time there was no dove. There was the total shock of wind and fire and 120 voices. And instead of a torrent of noise, like you might think would come from 120 voices, each individual in the crowd was pierced with the love of God spoken clearly in their own language, even their own accent, particularly for them. It wasn't a dove. It wasn't what they had seen before. 
But this time, 3,000 people turned their hearts to Jesus. And what will the Spirit do next? What might the Spirit do here? I love the passage we read from Exodus this morning about Moses and the burning bush. Moses is tending his father-in-law's sheep, and maybe he thinks he's just going to live out his days tending the same sheep, hiding from Pharaoh. But he's got his eyes open for something new. Because when he catches sight of the burning bush, he goes over to check it out. The passage makes a big deal of him going. It repeats it twice. It says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he called him. There's something about that attention, that openness to something new. I think about that with regard to Sherman Street sometimes. Our church has changed and is changing. You know, some of you are newer, many of you are newer, and excited to have found a place to call home, and we are so glad that you're here, so grateful that you're finding that. It's also true that for a lot of you who've been around a long time, maybe your feelings are a bit more mixed. Um, it was a surprise to come back to COVID and not know a lot of people at this place you have called home. This place that has been your community for years and years. Decades for some of you. Mostly, I know you're excited about the life that's here and you're glad that people are finding a home. But it's okay that sometimes you miss what Sherman used to be. A much smaller community where it was easier to know everyone. I've worried a bit about your grief. And I've not known what to do with it. Um, I was talking to a friend about it a while ago, and I said something like, which this wasn't my wisest question, but whatever. I said, what if we've wrecked Sherman Street? And my friend wisely said, oh, it's a museum. <laughs> you know, I was treating the church like it should never change. Like we should just preserve the good that's already there, the thing that God already did once. I felt that familiar conviction of the Spirit, like, oh, right, this place isn't mine or any of ours. Sometimes the Spirit does a new thing, and it's clear that the Spirit is moving here. What will this be? There's nothing wrong with missing what was or fearing the unknown. Like one of the things I learned in my undergrad, I have a business degree, um, is that people always experience change as loss, always. Even if it's a change to a good thing, we just always kind of fear the things that we don't know, and we worry about what we're leaving behind. But the spirit, it seems, is so often doing something new, blowing like the wind, you can hear its sound, but you can't, can't see where it came from or where it's going. And that unknown requires us to press into our faith that God is good. That same spirit that showed up on Pentecost. That same spirit that lives in each of you. 
That same spirit that moves among us when we gather is the spirit that brooded over the chaotic waters before any of this beautiful world came to be. And what came out of that brooding, so abundant, flourishing and varied, indulgent even, and alive, our world is teeming with unnecessary goodness. Taste and texture and smell and color and light and shadow, it's beautiful. Look at what the Spirit works. Because when the Spirit does a new thing, the Spirit always brings life. Ours is a God who loves to do a new thing. God never made a person or a snowflake twice. It's always something new. And so too in our prayers. God doesn't always show up in the same predictable ways. But maybe that's because God has more for us than that. It's God's delight to keep on surprising us and drawing us into joy, into faith and into love and into hope. Being bearers of the Spirit may very well be confusing sometimes. Scary and unknown and even frustrating, but the Spirit brings life. And the Spirit bears fruit. And those fruit are all things that we want. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Don't we long for those things? Maybe instead of expecting the good that we already know, the things that we have already seen, the places we have already been, instead of complaining that God won't do the thing that God has done before, we can keep our eyes open for a new thing a new surprise, a new delight. What goodness might come our way today? We can learn to pray with the humility of those who know that there's more going on in God's world than we can ask or imagine. We can pray with the openness of those who know that our God is trustworthy and that when God's spirit moves, even if we can't understand it right away, even if it seems like exactly the opposite from what we want. The Spirit brings life. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, would you fall on us? Teach us how to pray. Call us to prayer. And keep our eyes open to see what you do. That we would know what it is to keep in step with the Spirit. That we would learn something of your wildness. And how to live into it. 
Spirit, forgive us for the ways that we want to hold you back. Move in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.